J.C. Horn's hamstring injury. Brian Burns' contract negotiations continue. The Panthers' wide receiver room. Are they good enough? Can they separate? Can they get better? And thoughts about Bryce Young's first appearance as a Carolina Panther and how he can improve against the New Orleans Saints. Let's catch up with Mike Kay from the Charlotte Observer and check the beat. All right, we're here with Mike Kay from the Charlotte Observer. Uh, Mike, uh, the Panthers are coming off a week one loss, and there's some big headlines in the news. I want you to rank these stories for me in order of importance. Horns hamstring injury, Burns contract negotiation, Panthers wideout rooms ability or capability. Uh, Horn, one, wide receivers, two, Burns' contract, three. I mean, the guy <laughs> to start with three, Brian Burns said he's going to play. I mean, he played, right. he had a new contract agreement. So really um, not sure if that was the best play for him, but it was the best play for the Panthers and probably for the Panthers fans. I think cornerback getting to one, you know, uh, this defense is very top heavy. They are. They do not have a lot of depth. We talked about it during the summer. You and I have talked about it privately. They do not have a lot of second team depth. And look, I think C.J. Henderson had a really good training camp. He had a really terrible end of the preseason. Um, I thought he was fine in this game. I don't think he was terrible. I mean, visibly, he got you know kind of got thrown under the not under the bus, but we're all looking at the pits play and going, oh, he stinks, he stinks. But he made some good plays in that game. Well, and I, I would say too, Pitts is five inches taller and contorted his body in a way that most humans can't. So I, I think you know that thirty-four yard bomb was huge, obviously, because it basically sealed the game, but. Desmond Ritter threw six passes that, or uh, excuse me, he threw nine passes that were not to running backs, and he was six of nine in the passing game. Oh, and by the way, one of those he caught himself. So I yeah, think totally. I think the passing defense played well, all things considered. I just don't know if you're going to get like a front line guy to replace J.C. Horn in free agency. I don't think this team's won cornerback away either so i don't know if it's worth spending the money and potentially irritating somebody else and then look wide receiver they're without their top speedster we talk about the need for speed well dj chark is that guy coming off a hamstring injury and well i don't know if he'll be officially back this this week because hamstrings are kind of tricky i do think that if they can get him back in the lineup and he can keep going he can take the top off the defense a little bit which will allow for underneath routes to to break open i think that was something they were really missing in this game i think you saw hayden hurst who's actually very fast for a tight end not be able to break open just because the attention was so much on him and the limited weapons that they had so i think they have a lot of confidence in shark and so i think it's kind of like it's a touch and go situation but i think jc horn missing a, a decent amount of time is something that you know, based on previous history is a problem, especially because, oh, not even talking about depth, J.C. Horn missed 17 games in his first two seasons due to various injuries. He's going to probably miss his 18th. I know there are reports out there that he, he could miss multiple weeks, but like in reality, when you miss, you know, 18 to 20 games your first three years, 
it's almost impossible to not call somebody injury prone, whether they're the same injuries or not. Um, because when he is on the field, he is a difference maker. Let's dive into Horn's injury. As we know that Horn suffered a foot injury in his rookie season and missed, uh, I think it was 13 games and then another four with a, a fractured wrist. He struggled. He had an ankle problem throughout the preseason. Um, and in week one early, I think it was in the second quarter, he's pulled, he, he pulls up lame. What tell us, tell for the listeners, what was this? What is Horn's injury, which uh, some of them, most people know already, but what's his status? Because some news supposedly broke today. Well, he uh, it's not my reporting, so it's it's hard for me to confirm the length. But what I would say is he's got a hamstring injury and those are typically multiple week injuries. I, I think it's not like a, a far shot in the dark to be presumptuous and say that he will miss time. Um, that said, you know. If it's a minor ham- hamstring injury, then maybe he only misses a week or two. If it's a major hamstring injury, those can be extremely lingering, and you never know when that's that's kind of going to re- recover. So, you know, I think they they kind of dodged a bullet and that it's not an Achilles injury. It's it's a soft tissue injury that once he's back, he can be back, but it's certainly not a great situation to have. How do you think he, um, or is there any sense of how this is, you know, affecting him continuing? Because we heard Dante Jackson speak about, um, you know, how it just stinks to get kind of that, the, the funk of an injury prone label. Dante Jackson's dealt with injuries himself. Uh, and you know, these guys are looking at JC Horn. They know how such a good player he is, uh, and now they're kind of like they're struggling with it. How does how do you think Horn is handling this, and and maybe even the team looking at it? So I wasn't in Atlanta. I I had a family uh, thing, but it, uh, I I did cover the game from home. Um, I was in the locker room yesterday. I did talk to Frank. Um, I I do think you know there's frustration, like you said. I think Dante Jackson kind of put a bow on it. Um, you know, he, he is a JC Horn has pushed back against the label of being injury prone in the past. He didn't like talking about the ankle injury during the summer. Right. Um, so I'm sure it's frustrating for him because he's a guy who's constantly compared to Patrick Sertan, who is probably the best corner in the league right now, outside of maybe sauce Gardner. Um, he's seeing all these guys kind of become like the top tier corners. And in theory, based on talent and what we've seen, he should be talked about among that group. And unfortunately, these injuries have consistently plagued him. And I think, you know, that's got to wear on anybody, right? In any profession, if you're, you're constantly inconsistently available, you know, the number one ability is availability. And he has yeah. not been that. And I think that kind of, you know, you're, you're here. I'll give you another, another angle of this. Brian Burns, who's made himself available all the time. He's been extremely healthy throughout his career. He's put up insane numbers and he's in a contract dispute with the Panthers. Like it's not like it was just get, nothing's easy. And I think, you know, having that injury prone label makes things even harder. Uh, well, going back to the Panthers wideout room is we saw a lot. You, you see fans talking on the internet, um, you know, armchair quarterbacking is easy. And they talk about the lack of separation, um, you know, people were freaking out after the game on our post game show about play calling all of this. And I'm, I'm really not, uh, my concern level is not through the roof for any of this. Um, what's your Frank Reich said, look, is like, yeah, speed, it matters in the league. Tyree kill. He's a guy that has this, he's a next level speed. And when you do see Tyree kill, I mean, he's in a different level, like he's saying, 
he said that he trusts in the speed and the capability of these guys. DJ Shark is a guy who struggled with injuries throughout his career. Uh, is there a thought that he can return for this week? And do you have a sense that that the Panthers believe that this group is capable of improving throughout the season? Well, I get a sense that there's a lot of optimism this week. Uh, you know, he was a limited participant on Friday. That's helpful. Right. Um, the fact that he was able to practice. The, the one question I would have is he is a speed guy. So if his hamstring is even the least bit bothering him, it's going to hinder his, you know, superpower, so to speak. And so that would be the only reason why I think you would hold him back. But if he is, if he is healthy, he will go. Um, but there does seem to be a lot of optimism. Um, I, I don't want to put, I mean, again, it's a hamstring injury. They're unpredictable. You could have yeah. a setback, but I, I would say there's a lot of optimism. At least that's my sense. Um, you know, Amir Marset, or, or, or Amir Smith Marset has got blazing speed, but he's also learning the offense, right? So and learning not to run at the damn end zone. Yeah, I spoke to him about that yesterday, uh, one on one, and he told me. Well, we can get into it later, but uh, not to <laughs> sidetrack. But he he acknowledged that that was not the best spot for him to be in. He started at the twenty. The punter hit a booming punt, and he kind of lost track of where he was on the field. But he said, you know, if he could take it back, he would. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but at, at wide receiver, you know, there were videos made showcasing how slow, how slow uh, they this wide receiver group is. I think, you know, for a rookie quarterback, speed is great and everything. But I think having technicians and guys that can get to their spot is a smarter approach. I think that's what Frank Rake was trying to say. Um Terrace Marshall had some really good moments. He also had some miscommunications. Um, you know, it's week one. Uh, I think Jonathan Mingo kind of showed you uh, what he has been kind of all summer. He'll flash a lot of brilliance, and then you'll kind of forget he's there. Um, so I think he's just kind of learning and getting into that Z receiver role um, right now. But, yeah, I think speed is a problem. If you really – Look at it. But I also think like the Panthers are taking this like 2016 Eagles approach to this team building. It's where they're trying to like set up foundational pieces and get things in motion. And then by hopefully next year, they'll ha be able to go out and spend on weapons and, 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 you know, kind of fill the, the nest, so to speak. And the Eagles obviously won a Super Bowl in 2017 after that two year rebuild. I, I, I think the expectations for this team were, at least nationally, we're like really high for really no proven reason. And I, I, I hate to be the wet blanket here. And nah, I you've been consistent with this when we spoke last time, uh, is that, that those were inflated. You felt like, yeah, I think this team is a two year rebuild. I think they're a seven to eight win team and you're going to take your lumps. And if Bryce Young comes out of it smelling like roses, then that's fine. That's what this season's about. This season is about Bryce Young. And I think, you know, it wasn't a great start. Uh, there were moments, as Frank Reich alluded to, that were fine. Uh, I actually thought the play calling was fine. I, Me I, too. I, Me too. Except for only one play call that was upsetting, and that's the fourth and yeah. one play call because we don't really have a power back and a power run game. Uh, and it just was kind of lame. But other yeah. than that, everything was just really it was I think this I'm one of the few people that was optimistic about the performance by the Carolina Panthers. And if anything, the only disappointing part to this 
real thing is that they squandered an opportunity to win a game. Yeah, I mean, look, and I agree with you. I think going forward on fourth and one was absolutely the right answer. That play yes. call was not. Um, <laughs> if you're within your opposing team's 15 in a scoreless game in the first half, you go for it. That's not about analytics. That's about game flow. I mean, it is about analytics. And on the road to week one, like you're, you're flowing and feeling good at that point. The defense just had an incredible series in the uh, on the previous possession. Listen, you marched like 80 yards down the field, it felt like. It took like 25 minutes, it felt like. I, I'm a big believer that if you go for field goals within the 30 in the first half in a, in a tight game, like – that's fine, but you're, you're playing not to lose. Right. And I think Frank Reich made the right call there, not the right play call. Right. And so you learn from those moments, but I, I think being aggressive there was absolutely the right call. If they score seven points there, the, the complexion of this game changes ep- exponentially uh, because the Falcons couldn't do anything. Nothing. Yeah. And they would have had to f- try to throw the ball more and uh, that would have given Brian Burns, a lot more opportunity. Speaking of Brian Burns, boy, um, you know, a lot of tension or at least uh, visibly, it seems like is like Brian Burns, good soldier all throughout training camp. And, um, and then you start to see kind of some visible signs maybe uh, when it comes to a him sitting out of practice leading up uh, to week one, as well as you see his dad on uh, Instagram saying Brian Burns is not happy. Now he could be talking about him in that golf cart but everybody's reading into that and then you get the brian burns spider-man sad spider-man post and you know it's clear that there's some frustration coming for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. About with those contract negotiations, he goes out there, has a big, what, one and a half sacks, a forced fumble. I mean, in quarter one, he's looking like he's trying to get paid more than Bosa at that point. What do you think? Uh, where are the contract negotiations? And is where is the holdup, do you think? Do you think it's money? Do you think it's length of contract, guaranteed money? Um, or are the Panthers just not valuing him at the rate that he thinks he should be valued? Or does nobody freaking know? I, I think it's a little bit of nobody – Freaking knows, but I also do think it, it it's all of the above. I think, you know, this is this is a big contract negotiation when a player thinks that he deserves top of the market money, and then a guy just not only like eclipses the market, but like hurdles it, uh, it, it can create a it can create an issue. So like earlier on in the offseason, I was asked this question a lot for my mailbags, and I thought it, the comparison for him would be Max Crosby. That's what the Panthers seemingly thought, too. Well, the difference here is you've got to make up for inflation and age. So also, Brian Burns is coming off being paid like a first round pick. Max Crosby was paid like a day three pick. Right. So the inflation of raise is different. Right. Like if you're making 85 grand and you get a five grand raise to 90, that's different than making 60 grand and then going to 70. right? Right. And so. 
Um, what I would say is this. Crosby's a good template prior to Bosa signing. Now that Bosa has signed, that template's out the window. Like, if they would have gotten this deal done in... Six months ago? Yeah, six months ago. I think that's the good template. But you It would have been more- $25 million. Right, you say because you just give the year inflation like you're talking about. Yeah, you give the inflation, you give more guaranteed money, you know, like maybe another year, maybe one more year, too. Well, and for him, if he wants a shorter term contract, that makes a lot of sense because you want to hit free agency again before you turn 30. Yeah, that's what I would do. All the money's going up. But if you're the Panthers and you're saying, hey, I'm going to guarantee this guy all this money. You probably want him in-house for longer because you don't want to have to deal with this in three to four years. Um, I think what the Chiefs just did with Chris Jones is really smart. Um, I think that maybe that could have happened had Brian Burns been like, hey, I'm going to miss this game. I don't know if that's that's just me speculating. But I do think like I do think there's eventually going to be a middle ground. Now, Brian Burns is not Nick Bosa. He's not. Nick Bosa affects the game in pretty much every way. But if you watched Sunday, you saw that the Falcons basically adjusted their entire game plan to the success that Ryan Burns, Derek Brown, and the front seven were having. Like, they literally either ran the ball or ran the ball adjacent by throwing two running backs in the flat. Yeah, those um, all those passes were run plays. Right, exactly. So if you look at it that way, so th- – they threw to running backs nine times for 46 yards and a touchdown. They ran the, then ran the ball uh, third, uh, 26 times for 130 yards. So that's 176 yards in, in, in rushing or rushing adjacent plays and three touchdowns. They basically had to change their script. The passing game was not working. So he did take over a game there. Um, I don't think he deserves a blank check. Uh, like that's not a thing. So I, 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 think I agree. That, I agree. So I think I push back on the idea that the Panthers don't value him. It might be that they don't value him at Burns's self-worth. Which, or what his agent says we can really get here because we got them in a pinch. Right. The reason why they have them in a pinch, if you want to rewind is because they turned down that mega trade with the Rams for two first-round picks and a second-round pick, which implies that he is a franchise player, a top-of-the-level player, an untradeable player. Well, if that's accurate, what Brian Burns wants is not unrealistic, whether he wants top-of-the-market money or not. He has that leverage, and I think that's been the issue, and I guess the confusion is Burns has been treated like a top level player to the umph degree. And I mean, they came out and they were like, we want him here. We, you know, we're not going to trade him. He was untouchable. He was untouchable in the Rams deal. He was untouchable in the bears deal. Cool. Well, if he's an untouchable player, then you have to commit to him financially. And I think Brian Burns wants what he wants. And I think Nick Bosa really shook up the market. And that's why it was kind of a race here, just like as it is with quarterbacks. And I it think, was way bigger. The Bosa deal was even bigger than anyone expected. Right. There were people in, in the 49ers building that were surprised. Like this is, I mean, this is a. It's bananas. It's funny money, dude. Like it's almost dude. like how the heck does people generate this? Do you think that why, why I've, I've been covering the Panthers now from the fan perspective for 10 years 
and we've been going through contract talks and things. And in 2012, everyone wanted to be the guy that was the highest paid tech. Now, like you got the tweet and it was like, oh, he's the guy, the highest paid defensive end. But then when you really delved into the contract negotiations, you saw the years on the back end that could get out of it. The guaranteed money has always been the real story of mm-hmm. contracts to me from any standpoint where it goes. To, I mean, look at Lamar and trying to get the fully guaranteed. Why is it that this narrative this year with the Bosa Brian Burns has just been on the average contract? Like I just hear 30, 28, 30, 28. It's like, there's no nuance to it. Or is this, is, is this the way contracts are moving now? I mean, it does seem like everybody wants to win the PR battle. And really, Brian Burns has publicly won the PR battle, right? He's Mr. Team Captain. He showed yeah. up to training camp. He worked in training camp. Yeah, they All the fans the- are sitting there, play, pay, 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 pay. Right, right. All the te- all of his teammates are saying it. You know, he. I think what they did was smart. They waited till right before week one to make a stink and let everybody know. Right, yeah. And then he goes and practices. So... Yeah, he, you know, I I think he's done kind of everything to win the PR battle. It's just a matter of whether the Panthers are willing to pay for that. And I think, you know. Is there any chance they just make him play his fifth-year option? Well, I I think they would love to get him signed. I just think it's whether Brian thinks the money is worth it, right? Like, it's all, it's a two-way street here. So, What do you think their ceiling is? I don't know. I really don't. Like, it it, it would be unfair for me to speculate, but I, you know. I, I think, I think twenty eight million is reasonable. I, I that's what I. If it's say. any more than that, it seems in, wild because you're right. talking like fifteen percent of the cap. Right. Well, I mean, the way you would massage that too is you would give them a large signing bonus that takes out a lot of that chunk of money and you'd spread it out. But yeah, and and the cap keeps rising. Like there are ways to accomplish this. You could do it front loaded, where it's. You know, if it's a short-term deal, you can front-load the first two years, and then you just know you're talking in your. But if three. it's eighty million guaranteed over five years, you're sitting there putting t- almost eighteen million out a year without even touching the salary, and that's all against the cap. You know, that's ten percent of one hundred and eighty million dollars. Yeah, aren't you glad you're not Samir Solomon right now? Uh, <laughs> like, no, no kidding. I mean, look, I think. I think the Panthers are a practical organization when it comes to contracts. If you, if you look at the way they work and operate, I mean, they have re-signed guys who, who were integral to them. I mean, to me, excuse me, the Christian McCaffrey deal is insane for where they were at that point and, and, and all that stuff. But yeah. That did. was just to keep a name that fans could believe in right. for a moment after a 2000 yard season. Sure. He, I mean, they paid Shaq Thompson. Shaq Thompson's contract needed to be renegotiated. Ian Thomas needed to be, re, re, I mean, for for better or worse, right? Needed to be but, yeah. renegotiated. I, I think, you know, Dante Jackson was another guy. I know uh, he's very polarizing, but like, it's not like they haven't played paid internal guys. But if I'm Derek Brown, I'm watching how this plays out. I mean, here's the thing, too. Like, Derek Brown's pro- contract's probably a lot more cut and dry than Brian Burns's because he doesn't have the sack numbers. But you clearly know his value. And on top of that, you didn't turn down a mega trade for him. So, right. I, you know, the leverage is a little different. And so I think I think a lot of people are going to be watching this around the league and, and, and in the locker room and seeing what happens. I, 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 I see both sides of the argument. Like, I, you know, I recently wrote that they should pay Brian Burns 
and you know in context that's within reason um yeah, they kind of backed themselves into this corner. Right. You talked about a couple of things that put them in this position. But I think if you just look at the personnel in general, they're so built and dependent on him in the pass rush. And then you go back, you can go back as far as them letting Hassan Reddick walk and saying, like, we're going to kind of go this Brian Burns direction. So as we speak about the defense, I heard you ask, and I'm glad you asked this question to Frank Reich and uh, his press conference yesterday. I think it was yesterday. And that is, our concerns about this run defense, the Carolina Panthers, boy, we have not been able to stop the run for some time now. It's been a long time. And it goes back to when Ron Rivera kind of semi switched to this three, four half hearted switch to three, four in his last year. And three, four defenses are notoriously porous against the run. Like that, it seems to be the way to attack them. And I'm not an X and O's guy, but that's what I've seen. Carolina Panthers, my friend, we were arguing about this on the podcast and people were like, oh, it wasn't that bad. I was like, man, look, let's look through each drive right here. 20 yard run, 18 yard run, eight yard run, four yard run. These guys were averaging over five yards to carry against the Carolina Panthers. What do you think about, you know, tell us what Frank Reich said. And do you think that they can improve this? Some? Well, Reich used numbers to uh, justify that he thought they were fine against the run. Um, like were, first down wins and stuff first like down that. Wins, they got guys off on, on third down two of their uh, eight of 10 times. Like that's fine, but context is necessary, right? So we talked about it earlier in the show, 176 yards and three touchdowns produced by run or run adjacent uh, plays. On most of those plays, there were broken tackles. There was poor technique. There were poor angles taken. There were, you know, loose tackling attempts. Frankie Louvu, uh, you know, he's a missile. But when that missile misses, whew, yeah, that things happened for that Panthers defense. Um, look, Frank Wright gave credit to the the Falcons running backs. They deserve it. They were very good. But I feel like the scheme is fine. The scheme is fine. I thought uh, the, the calls were fine. Everything was fine. Nobody was really out of place. I thought Evero did a pretty good job. But the execution, especially from a tackling standpoint, has me genuinely concerned. Um, because I don't think they're particularly talented against the run to begin with. So not having, you know, the ability to form tackle consistently is a problem. I didn't think Von Bell played particularly well, which was surprising for me. Um, you know, I thought Shaq played well. I think he didn't get a lot of help. Uh, Deshaun Williams, uh, who's a very good rotational pass rusher run stopping was not for him. And by the way, they don't have that big nose tackle. So, yeah, yeah. uh, that we, I talked to you about, did we ever find out what the heck happened with McCall? I just think he wasn't like an organizational fit. I, I think there, there, there's probably more to the story, but I, I agree. Nobody would, I agree. Nobody would uh, kind of nothing confirmable. Um, I think too, when you look at the dynamics of this team, like you said, in a three, four year spread out a little bit more. Uh, I do think that's kind of the argument against Brian Burns's contract too. It's like, you know, I mean, there were, I mean, I don't think he, actively didn't try to play the run, but there were some rough moments for his side of the field. Um, I, I think this is a team that is trying to figure it out. And look, I was all for resting guys in the preseason to an extent, but like when you don't have that live action, 
and both of your starting edge rushers don't play throughout the preseason. Um, and you haven't figured out your defensive front grouping until literally week one. That's a problem. I think and the zero team, rotation too, as well. Yeah. Well, you know, I would agree with Frank and that they played significantly less snaps than, than the offense. So the offense played 70 something snaps. The defense only played like 50 something snaps. I also don't know that Yitro Gross Matos is the solution here that you're true, looking true. for, right? Um, I know there's a stat out there that he's a pretty good run stopper, but there were definitely occasions last year where he took the wrong gap or wasn't particularly uh, in good position. He's also a weird system fit. I've said this throughout the offseason and into the summer. Every chance I've gotten, he does not fit this defense. And having four snaps kind of proves it. I mean, they've tried. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nobody likes him. <laughs> I know well, that's so mean to say, but like it just—he just, he just no, has I, kind of just washed into the background. I actually think he can be a reasonable rotational four-three D end. I mean, that's what he is. I, I just think it's a really odd fit. I'm not even criticizing him. He's just an awkward yeah. fit the system. And then, oh, lo and behold, third round pick DJ Johnson, who you hired to set the edge, <laughs> uh, didn't even play. So I, I just, um, yeah, man, it is. Uh, it's rough out there in them parts, especially when it comes to stopping the run. I, I, I was not, I understand what Frank was trying to get across, but I don't agree with him. If that makes sense. Bryce young had the opportunity to be the first rookie quarterback in 21 years or so to win his rookie debut. Uh, we saw Anthony Richardson fall losing his debut. We saw, uh, who else was it? Uh, CJ Stroud. Look, Cam Newton, uh, who had the set a rookie record in 2012, 2011 for passing yards in his debut, didn't win. Andrew Luck didn't win. Joe Burrow didn't win. Justin Herbert didn't win. Bryce Young didn't win. What happened in this game for Bryce Young? What did you think about the performance? I thought he made good decisions for the most part. Those two interceptions up the seam were rough. Um, you know, Frank took credit or took blame for – uh, the first one where they were backed up in the red zone, it kind of seemed like a panic throw. Um, he had some inaccurate tosses, no doubt. Uh, I gave the passing game a D, uh, in my report card, which you can read on charlotteobserver.com. I'm um, a subscriber, yeah. Hey, so, um, I don't know, there were good things. I mean, I, I do think I agree with Frank, his decision making on throwing the ball away was smart. I, I don't think he really forced the ball too much. Um, I thought he was fine. Two picks. That's it. Like, yeah. that's the end of the story is two picks, one overthrow to Mingo, and Terrace Marshall Jr. pulls up on a route. Like, right. that's it, Ron Rivera used to say, oh, the game's come down to two or three plays. And that's really it was the same exact pick twice. And what I'll say too is, I think the pistol formation is going to work out really well for this team. Really? Yeah, I do. Um, here's why it looks so strange to have a running back like 20 yards in the backfield. <laughs> It feels well, like he's five yards behind the guy and he's in shotgun. Well, what's interesting about that is it gives him a rev up period, right? So, Oh, yeah, like a freaking jet runway. Right. So what you would do with pistol, for those who don't know, is it allows you to see the defense fully like you're under center, but you don't have to drop back, which <laughs> allows you to keep your eyes up. And so that way... Bryce doesn't have to think about placement on the field. We just talked about Smith-Marset and where he didn't know where he was. Um, it's one less thing for him to think about. It's also less for the running back to think about because when you're doing a design run, you have less vision there. 
Like you don't have the vision you would if, if he was under center uh, or if you were to his side. So you're basically going to your target mark. And so I think that kind of helps make the game a little bit simpler. Um, you Do know, you ever hand the ball off like that? Yeah, all the time. God, it looks so bizarre. And so what's also interesting too, Bryce Young, you know how many snaps he had under center in, in Alabama? Oh, uh, like two. I think it was two total in his whole career. Well, he had one percent. One percent. Oh, one percent. So, I mean, he they did stuff under center in this game. They were actually pretty successful with it too. Chuba Hubbard picked up some chunk yardage off of it. Um, but I think pistol's like a nice little wrinkle. Um, you know, I, I didn't catch the percentage that they used it, but I thought it was interesting. You can also run, you know, that triangle sort of 31 personnel look where you have the fullback to his left or right and another running back to his, the opposite side and a guy behind, like, I mean, there's a lot of fun you can play with it. It allows you to kind of mold the backfield a little bit. I think it'll be good for LaVisca Chenault if we see him use the way he was in this game as well. So um, I'm intrigued by it. I thought the play design was cool. I thought they were very fluid and, and it was pretty fascinating to watch how many personnel groupings they use. They pretty much used every grouping under the sun. Um, and look, I mean, they it's hard to evaluate an offense and a quarterback off of, you know, one game where three possessions were, were stunted by turnovers in the middle of the field or worse. And, and like so, Frank said, the fourth and one is equivalent to a turnover. Right. And look, the offense flowed in that first drive. And remember, the and first then a six for six on the other one for a touchdown. Right. Was, they were feeling it in the first half. Yeah. I think, you know, again, I think if they score a touchdown on that opening drive, this is a completely different game. I also think that it was the right call to go for it. And totally, I, I, totally. I, I've received a lot of emails and, and tweets about it, and it's just like, no, that's the right call. That was I almost the- wanted them to go for it on the other one where they kicked a field goal. It was fourth and three. Yeah. Well, fourth I mean, and three is a little bit – I mean, I understand. They were like dealing, that. though. Man, Bryce was feeling it. It just looked like – it was just like, man, we can make this happen. But, it, you know, I mean, I understand that we took the points. We're tied up at the half, and and there you go. Last night, Aaron Rodgers ruptures his Achilles uh, on Monday Night Football. Horrible to watch, man. It makes I'm not super cringy, but boy, it that's it just got me. Ugh. Um, you said this year's all about Bryce Young, and I'm a fan here, so I gotta say something fanatical. Is there any chance the team could be interested in uh, Andy Dalton, the Jets? I wouldn't maybe? be if I were another team. Um... <laughs> You say you wouldn't be? I wouldn't be. No, I mean, I think Andy's what Andy is. Like, I, I, I don't think that that his upside is taking. I mean, he's played with talented teams and and never really shined in the playoffs. I mean, there's, I don't know. It, it it's kind of a weird situation because he he'd have to learn the, the offense on the fly. You're you're putting him ahead of a guy who you know, for all his faults, did just lead a team to victory. He didn't look great, though. He didn't. He didn't. No, Look, I, I'm i not a, a, a Zach Wilson apologist, but I also think, like, at some point, like, this staff was given this roster. They've paid a ton of money. You have limited draft assets because of this Aaron Rodgers trade. Figure it out, right? Like, so it just sucks for Jets fans, as usual. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, 
I think it's one of those things where um, I think it's one of those things where you've got to fill out the process. Maybe if you can contend up into the trade deadline, then you make the move. But it's just like they're going to have to ride that running game. They're going to have to hope that all this PR that's gone Zach Wilson's way since Aaron Rodgers has gotten there is actually reality. And We'll see. I mean, they have a lot of talent. When you have a lot of talent, you can uplift a quarterback it, it, the same way as a quarterback can uplift talent. Like we saw it with Nick Foles and Frank Reich. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Me, right? So. All right. Last question for you. We get you out of here is uh, Aaron Rodgers. Again, circling back to that is the high profile, the so much hype, so much attention when it comes to hard knocks and just the Aaron Rodgers train, which I was very excited about. Uh, I, actually lost my fantasy football matchup by mm -hmm. one point. And oh. all I had, I was one point down and I had Aaron Rodgers starting. So, I mean, four plays in does the, maybe the high profile nature of Aaron Rodgers, does it do anything for this continued call for players who are advocating for more and more grass fields? We've, we know that the Panthers players have kind of been on the forefront of that discussion. Any idea if that, story has any legs at all or is this just at the end of the day something that's always going to have to be like the players just going to have to suck it up and it just is what it is well i think it's extremely fresh we're recording it 24 less than 24 hours after it happened but i you know if if there was an injury right that would change things you would think it'd be this one because listen the nfl has kind of built this season around aaron Rodgers going to the jets i mean yeah like, if you look at all the broadcasts that they're scheduled to be on uh, between this and Hard Knocks and and how public this is, and then you look at the Giants going 40 and they're, uh, you know, losing 40 to nothing, the, the league likes it when New York teams do well, like any league does, right? Because it's there's the no way league. this was in the script, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think, I think, uh, you know, uh, I think it's one of those things where you're just kind of like the wind in the NFL sales kind of took a hit, you know, last night, like it was rough to see, like it, it was tough. And I think Aaron Rodgers has had this whole redemption tour where I know he's gotten some bad press depending on, on what your beliefs are. And uh, I know I love him. I love him. I fell in love with, oh, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't have an opinion on him actually before actually I always really liked him as a player didn't really care about his party. He didn't rub me the wrong way, but man, yeah. I mean, he was like, it was a gravity pull towards him in this off season. Yeah. I mean, I think he's a polarizing guy just in general, but like, it, I mean, he, he was, he, he had a lot of goodwill coming into the season. The, the whole run out with the American flag thing was pretty cool. They're playing yeah, totally. nine, a New York, two New York teams are playing on nine 11. I mean, you know, it's just odd that this kind of happened the way it did. And I got to tell you, I, I don't know how much you've interacted with Jets fans, but Jets fans are awesome and they are rabid and they are dedicated. Yeah. And it's just like, I feel taken, bad for them. Yeah. They've taken one lump after the other. I mean, you know, Panthers fans have been through their, their troubles as well, but like, this it's is, like a Browns fan, man. Like I've yeah. never, like, I appreciate Browns fans. I'm like, gosh, you guys, I, I could not imagine being a writer or a podcaster for the Jets right now. Like, yeah. how miserable does this season go forward? Well, I mean, I have friends, a lot of friends, actually, oddly enough, on that on that beat. And, uh, you know, if you're a good storyteller, you can find the stories. If you're right. a good reporter, you can find 
the good news and the nuggets. I mean, boy, you were about to have magic though. You thought, yeah, I mean, look, I, I'd imagine it's very cool to cover a Super Bowl team. I, I left, I covered the Eagles in between their two Super Bowl appearances, but, um, you know, yeah, it's tough. It's, it, it's tough because you've spilt so much ink on this quarterback and this team and they've done so much. And I mean, you saw Robert Sala's face on the sideline yeah, it and tough. it was like, Oh my God, I've never seen such a tough, mean man look so sad. And he was broken, man. I mean, he looked emotionally hurt. And, you know, you saw him talking all through these guys. Those coaches thought that, that man, they were like, this is the real deal. This is different. This guy's different. So tough stuff. All right, Mike, thanks for your time. I want to say this first. I want to plug a, the Charlotte Observer. I'm going to let you do some plugging. But I say this as a subscriber to the Charlotte Observer myself, you can't really find more more coverage of the Carolina Panthers. You guys put out a ton of content, period. You're a, you cover every every angle, number one. But the volume of coverage, and it's not just superficial coverage. I'm telling you guys, is you could go to different places, you get one story here, one story there. You guys are putting multiple stories out almost daily. I, feel, I mean, it's, it's heavy hitting. I love it. Uh, so I'm a, big, I'm a big supporter of the Charlotte Observer. Tell our listeners how they can support uh the local beat well you can subscribe to the observer as you said and uh you can follow uh alex zutlow uh on twitter he's my great partner i know you guys have had him on the podcast as well scott fowler the legend um and then there's me you know uh mike underscore e underscore k on x which sounds weird. i hate it i know it's weird it's like do uh, we just do we just keep calling it twitter i do yeah (laughs) i do i know but i feel like it's like calling the redskins the redskins right yeah fair commanders the redskins yeah i mean like to me it's 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 without the racism i guess yeah well at least there's that (laughs) um uh i was on a i was on a national show the other day and they said twitter and then they corrected themselves and said x and i was like wow that's a that's that's interesting I know. I hate saying uh, like uh, I like repost. Oh man, retweet. It did enter our dialogue. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Is uh, can, are there any deals for the Observer? Or do they miss out on that? Is it I now just one dollar for the first month? So. Boom, one dollar for the first month, guys. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff, man. You better get in there for football season. And on top of that, you guys cover a ton of stuff for college football and college basketball on the approach. So, guys, Charlotte Observer, go support that. Uh, and you're missing out if you don't. All right, Mike, thanks for your time, man. We'll catch up with you soon. Thanks for having me.